Welcome to the Landmark Podcast. I'm Jason Calhoun, pastor of Landmark Pentecostal Church in Texarkana, Texas. We encourage you to visit us on the web at landmarkupc.net for a schedule of services and upcoming events. We pray that you are blessed by the message today. Thank you again for listening. just want to begin reading uh, with the first verse. Genesis chapter 3 and verse 1. Genesis chapter 3 and verse 1. As you're turning there, can, can I, could I share something without you, with you without you thinking it's self-aggrandizing or, or boastful? Can I, can I share something with you as a way of example? I'm so hesitant to do this because people think that you're being heady or boastful or high-minded, but I'm doing this only to show you what God, what I believe God wants to do in Texarkana, Texas, and the whole reason he's moving you to that facility. 23 years ago, Sister Copeland and I went to that town of 240 people. It's grown just a little bit because there's been some dogs and cats that had a few litters of puppies and kittens. But 23 years later, there's over 100,000 square feet of facility heated and cooled. It's all paid for. It's estimated between 12 and 15 million in value. And Sunday, there was, or Father's Day, there was 650 people in service without any push. In the last two months, we've had over 70 receive the Holy Ghost. We're baptizing them in Jesus' name from Baptist churches, Church of God churches. They're seeing the truth and receiving the truth. Now, if you think I said all that to boast, I tremble that I would do anything that would take the favor of God off what's happening there. The only reason I tell you that is if God can do that... If we can have 650 in a town of 240 people, what in the world could he do in Texarkana, Texas? And I believe he's moving you into that position right now for the greatest things that's ever happened. And I believe it, it's going to happen fast. I, I believe it's going to happen fast. It's not... It's not going to take a 20-year period. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says that the Bible says that what would happen in the last days is that God would speed up his work. One of the promises is is that the 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 harvesters would overtake the planters. God in the last days is going to speed up the work. And I believe that's what's about to happen. You know what? I'm supposed to be in Genesis 12. Let's go to Genesis 12. This is a good verse, but it's just the wrong one. Genesis 12 and 1. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. I want you to look at this. First, see, here's separation. Every, folks, you can't overemphasize separation. Right here, God is separating his people. Verse 2. 
And I will make thee a great nation. Would you say God wants to make us great? God wants to make us great. (laughs) And I will bless thee. And make thy name great. And thou shalt be a blessing. Verse 3, and I love the way verse 3 reads. I want you to notice something in this. And I will bless them. Everybody say that's plural. I will bless them that bless thee and curse him that's singular. He said there's going to be a lot more people blessing you than there will be cursing you. I'm going to bless them that bless you and I'm going to curse him. You know, I guess really probably the only person person that has the ability to curse you is Satan himself and God took that power out of his hands the cursings that people do it don't mean anything because they have no power and in thee or through thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed God bless you you can be seated would you lift your hands and ask the Lord to speak to your heart In this place today, would you do that? Would you ask God to speak to your heart, speak to your spirit? Would you ask him to talk to you today? Would you ask him to speak to you today? God, I don't have anything to offer these people on my own, of my own accord. If you don't help me, God, I'm in trouble today. i got to have you. If anything's conveyed today, God, it's only by your power, by your spirit, and by your anointing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Could we look at 3 John 1 and 2 while you're seated? And I want to preach to you for a few minutes from this subject. Blessed to be a blessing. Blessed to be a blessing. There's a lot of people that thwart what God can do in their life and their world Because they understand that they're blessed, they just don't understand why. When God starts blessing you, you may get wealthy. But that's the byproduct. It can't be the purpose. You can't get the effects messed up with the purpose. Very few people, when God starts blessing them, ask themselves, why am I being blessed? They think it so they can buy a Cadillac. They think it so they can buy a hunting count. Not that there's anything wrong with a hunting cow or a Cadillac. As long as you don't think that's the purpose in which God's blessed you. People get to thinking, well, God wants me to have a bass boat. God does not care if you have a bass boat as long as you don't think that's the end to the means. Hmm. In fact, if you don't understand the purpose in why God's blessing you, you can literally cut off the blessings and your blessings can literally become your curses. What do you mean by that? I've seen people get blessed with a hunting camp and then they can't come to church because they're working at their hunting camp. I can't be there Sunday, Pastor. I've got I to gotta take care of my food plots. 
You know, I work all week. I had to mow my grass Saturday, so the only day I've got to go take care of my food plots is on Sunday. Do you think God blessed you so you'd quit coming to his house? My pastor, uh, when I was growing up, used to tell a story that got a hold of me as a, as a boy. He said there was a family, a woman in, his, in the church he grew up in with, uh, with children, and she didn't have a car. And so she got to church year after year with her small children uh, by people in the church picking her up and bringing her to church. And so a man in that church went to trade his car in. He didn't feel like the car dealership was giving him what he wanted for trade in. So he thought as he sat there, you know what? If this is all they're going to give me for this car, I'm not going to give my car to them. If I'm going to give my car away, I think I'm going to give it to that little widow in the church with her children. I'll be more blessed by doing that than this little amount they're trying to give me for my trade. So he went in and bought his new car. And he called the pastor, told the pastor what he was trying to do, and the pastor said that would be fine. So they took the car over there and handed her the keys to the car. This is a woman that had never missed a service in years. Sunday comes around, and she's not at church. And the pastor called her and said, Sister, we missed you. This is so out of character. You've never missed church before. She said, I've never had a car before. What does this mean, the pastor said. She said, well, it, it means that I have to work all week and, and my, I've got family I hadn't seen in years because I couldn't go see them. And so I went to see family this weekend. He said, well, I, I, I guess that's all fitting, you know. We'll see you next Sunday. Well, next Sunday she wasn't there. We're, 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 sister, we're, where are you? We missed you Sunday. You, you've never missed church before. Well, I've never had a car before, she says. I've never taken my kids on vacation. We had no ability to take them on vacation. And we had a long weekend. Monday was a holiday. So the end of the story is, is a $3,000 car cost her her salvation. What they found out is the reason God didn't bless her is because God couldn't trust her. Mm. The only way she could be saved is to keep her broke. Mm. Oh, my Jesus. Sure. Look, now, I just got here, folks. I can't hit a stump this early. I've never been high-centered in the first five minutes. Y'all push me off now. Am, am I communicating with anybody here today? There's people that dream. They dream of having a bass boat. God can't give you a bass boat. You'll struggle to come to church. Hmm. You, you, we, the, 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 the biggest, let, let me, let me just say this in the introduction and I still want to go to third John so y'all don't lose it. Keep it there. John, third John one and two, but the biggest people's thing people struggle with is this concept right here. It's a lot easier to get blessed. Yeah. 
than it is to stay blessed. Getting blessed isn't the problem. Anybody can get blessed. The problem is the principles of remaining blessed. Keeping the favor of God is tough. And it all depends on how you view why God is blessing you. Some people think God blesses them just because He likes them. God likes everybody. He went to the cross because He loves everyone. He just can't bless everyone. Brother Tim Copeland, my uncle, used to say, when he evangelized that the only way some people could be saved is the minute they pray through in the altar just to blow their brains out right there. Because if they leave, they're going to be lost again. <laughs> he said, if you just kill them while they're talking in tongues. Because they're going to go out there and mess it up. Because their concept... Mm, Their concept concerning living for God is too selfish. They think God deserves... They think they deserve things from God. They don't realize every day is a gift. You don't deserve it. Every blessing is a gift. You you don't deserve it. In the, in the beginning of this message, I want to tell you that the Bible says, be seated please, that the Bible says, don't stop standing up though, I don't want to seem unthankful. Boy, I like it when I get helped, when I preach. It's hard to pull a train uphill by yourself. Now, li- listen, the, 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 the deal, the deal, I just lost my train of thought. Boy, it was good too. It was the best one yet. Just disappeared. Well, I guess I'll have to go to my scripture. The 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 concept of of of, of I got it. I got it back. I just proved I'm not an old preacher. I'm still young. I've been worried about getting old since I turned 50. So, my wife told me I looked young the other day. Of course, it cost me $100, but she told me I looked young. So, I'm going to lose it again. I got so excited saying that, I lost my train of thought again. So, When he said, he's going to bless you, you've got to understand that blessing is still his. He's just trusting you with it. I'm going to say that again because I don't think you got that. The blessing still belongs to him. He's just trusting it in your hands. Now, now, somebody said, Brother Copeland, I don't believe that. Well, you better, you better go back, you better go back to the, to the, 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 the master that had three servants. 
and he put talents in each one of their hands. Now, when he put those talents in each one of their hands, if it became theirs, then he would have never asked them about it. But when he came back, he wanted to know, what did you do with what I trusted you with? And I'm going to tell you, a person that struggles to pay tithes, you, you, you can't help them. Until they get the concept, you're going to do nothing to help them. And, and man, I don't mean to hurt things around here, Brother Calhoun, but you just soon keep it. If you hadn't got the concept right, you just soon keep it because you're never going to realize the blessing, so you're going to think it don't work. So you're better just not to give you tithing. If you if you don't if you hadn't got the revelation, just just keep it. If you begrudge paying them, because you're never going to see the blessing, so you're not going to believe it works, and therefore you're going to perpetuate that in your lineage. But once you grasp the concept, you become a joyful giver. You, you can't wait to pay your tithes because you're expecting God to do what He promised. God have mercy. You, you see, the, the, the whole thing, the whole thing is about relationship. Somebody said, I, I pay my tithes because I don't want to go to hell. You, you, oh, Jesus, have mercy. You got it so goofed up. Can, can, I, can I be saved if I don't pay my tithes? You're asking the wrong question. You'll, you'll never realize the favor of God. This is not about law. This is about covenant. When somebody says, well, tithing is of the law, there, there again, you're missing the concept. In the New Testament, the law of God becomes the covenant of God. And he says what the law could not do in that it was weak. Let me tell you what love does. I do this because I love him. And I do this because I trust him. And I do this because I believe him. And it's about the fact that the, the whole is blessed because you're willing to give a portion back to God in a love relationship and in a covenant. Oh, my Lord, have mercy. I found, I found out, I found out that a portion is way more powerful and way more blessed than the whole without the hand of God. So somebody says, well, let me, let me, let me finish this. I don't want to run out of time. Have y'all got a little time today? Because I don't want to run out of time. See, what I'm going to do today is a, is a, is a multi-week teaching at my church that I'm going to try to fit into one Sunday morning. Some of y'all just got real scared. 
But we're going we're gonna to do it because I've been preaching too long to ever give your ears what your backside can't endure. But you've got to get the concept that the blessings belong to him and he's just trusting them in your hands and he's very interested in what you do with them. He's very interested. It is a test to see if you can be trusted. It's a test to see if you can be trusted. He hands it to you and he says, Now, I'd like to make a covenant with you and I would like to see if I can trust you with bigger things. I, I want to see if I can go in covenant with you because the, the, the deal is I want to reach this whole world. And I need middlemen between me and a world I can't get to. And you become my hands and my feet and my voice. And if I can trust you to take this from God to the world then I'm going to open the floodgates on you. See, that's what he told Abraham. He said, Abraham, I need someone that I can lift up as an example to show the world you do want to serve Jehovah. Because Jehovah knows how to love his people. Jehovah knows how to bless thee. I want to set you up as an example. Here's the whole concept, and then I'm going to move on. The whole concept is this right here. Get a hold of this. This is the entire concept. This is what got us blessed. This concept is what got us blessed in Sebastopol, Mississippi. This concept right here. What messed Israel up is when God went to bless Israel. And read it throughout the New Testament. Israel wanted to be exclusive instead of inclusive. That's why they didn't want Cornelius' house having the, having the Holy Ghost. This is for us. Don't tell me a Gentile got their hand in the kitty. This is Israel's blessing. And that's what's going to mess you up is when God starts blessing you, you say, boy, look at what God's blessed me with Look at who I am. Boy, I can buy, I can buy motor homes and houses and land and I got a hundred rental properties. God started blessing me and boy, look at what I, 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 I've amassed. I'm going to buy you a piece of bubble gum. And that's what happens to most people. Too many people. Let me say it that way. Too many people is they think they're the end all. God's doing this for me. Me and God, we have a special... No, no. It's inclusive. Not exclusive. He's not setting you up as a rich daddy and a fat cat and so you can... You can parade around. You may wind up doing that. The blessing may get so great that you can't even hide it. But the purpose is that it would flow through you. I, 
I grew up in Vider, Texas. Does anybody know where Vider is? Beautiful place. Not really. It's a swamp. I grew up in a swamp. No one goes to the swamp to have a picnic. It stinks. It's nasty. You don't enjoy a swamp. You endure a swamp. It's where everything we don't like grows. You know what makes a swamp? Something that has no outlet. Things flow in, but they don't flow out. Y'all are going to get it in just a second. It's not life-giving. It's dead and it smells like death. A river, the only thing that separates a swamp from a river is it flows out as fast as it's flowing in. But yet it's never without. (laughs) You, You would think it would run out. But has the Mississippi ever been dry? Listen to me, folks. The head of the Mississippi are tributaries. The outlet on the other end is the Gulf of Mexico. It's the ocean. The outflow is way larger. You're going to get it in a minute. When God sets it up, it doesn't make sense. It does not make sense that the Mississippi River can flow into the ocean. But what feeds the Mississippi is so small in places you can jump across it. But yet the Mississippi River never runs dry. There's always plenty. You know why? Only God can do that. And He's trying to show you that you can't get an outgo so big that He can't supply you with everything that you need. You'll never be without if you'll trust His process. You'll never be without if you'll trust His process. A man can't promise you that. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense that creeks and tributaries can feed a Mississippi that flows into the ocean and it never be without. There'll always be plenty. Somebody says, I wish I knew what the will of God was. Does anybody want to know what the will of God is in their life? The biggest question I get as a pastor is, what's the will of God for me? I'm about to read it to you. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospereth. Somebody said, it's the will of God for me to prosper. Really, I want someone to put your hand right here and say, it's the will of God. It's the will of God for me to prosper. It's not the will of God for me to be broke. If I'm broke, 
It's because I'm looking at things wrong. I've not aligned myself with purpose. And I read purpose in Genesis 3. God wants to use you as a conduit to bless your neighborhood. God wants to use you as a conduit to bless your city. God wants to use you as conduit to make sure the gospel is preached around the world. God wants to use you as conduit to make sure Texarkana has a lighthouse. You know what God says? God says, Pastor, you need that building on I-30 because I want all of Texarkana to see what the truth can do. I want you in that building on I-30 because I want all of Texarkana to say, have you seen those people? Have you? Do you know about that church that bought the building? Do you see what they're doing out there? So somebody can say, man, I've been miserable. I've been lonely. I've been looking for my answer. And I've run into some people that are just different. They're not like everybody else I know. There's something different about those people. And it's then that you're fulfilling the promises. Most people operate on a scarcity mentality. They're scared to give out because they're afraid more's not coming. They're scared to give out because that, that, that means God can't supply the need. Well, let me just tell you right now that if man was in control, I would be worried about that. I'd be concerned. But not when God's in control. Not when God is at the helm. Everything changes by who's supplying it. And let me just tell you right now that, that if God... If, if you can't trust God with your finances, you can't trust Him with your soul. Are you playing a game or are you in this for real? Come on, are you playing a game or are you in this for real? You, you mean you would trust a church with your salvation but wouldn't trust them with a $20 bill? You mean you would trust a pastor with your salvation? Whether the hides or your kids burn in hell or not? But you can't trust him with, a, with 10 or 15%, 20% of your income? I'm going to tell, tell you, if you won't trust a pastor in your church with 15 to 20% of your income, then you're not really trusting him with your soul. You're playing a game. You hadn't fell in yet. When you really fall in, you get the understanding that everything I have belongs to God. He gives it and He takes it away. And the best place that I can get a return on what God's given me is in the church. Listen, when you, when you go eat a steak at a restaurant and you drop a $100 bill for your family to eat in a restaurant, and you walk out, all you get is good taste and indigestion later that night. But when you put $100 in the kingdom of God, 
He said. Somebody said, well, I hadn't, I've done it and it hadn't come back. Yeah, because you did it begrudgingly. You did, you did it questioning or testing God. You didn't have the right motivation. When you lay it up there and say, God, it's yours anyway. It's yours anyway. When you really get the, get the understanding that one car wreck and I could be in a wheelchair and never work my job again. One chemical imbalance and I could wake up in the morning and wouldn't even be able to perform on my job. We had a person in our community lean over to pick up a nail out of their driveway. And when they raised back up, they fell to the ground. When they leaned over to pick that nail up in the driveway, a, a disc cut a nerve. And they were paralyzed from the waist down. It's that easy. My Lord, have mercy. It's that easy to never be able to perform again. And when you understand that, you understand that every day is a gift of God. The deft movement of my hands to do my job is the gift. If I'm a carpenter, swinging a hammer is the gift of God. If I'm an engineer that my mind can still comprehend... It's the favor of God. God gives and God takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And so, so therefore, every paycheck, every paycheck that I receive, God gave me that paycheck. That paycheck really belongs to Him. He's just temporarily trusting me with it. And then He says... Let me see if I can trust you with big stuff. Be seated. Now I'm going to get to, I, I, I finally got to where I want to go. If God's going to do what God's going to do in Texarkana, He needs a bunch of people that He can really trust. Because we now live in the hour that it takes Big money to do God's work. Now, we can, we can spend the next 30 minutes debating that. But I'm just telling you it's the way it is. We now live in the hour. And I know it's easy for someone to say, well, I remember when we got off in a brush harbor and we had a coal oil lantern and a guitar with three strings. Well, well, then why don't you just move out of your house and move into a tent? I mean, if you like that, don't make us all join you. I mean, if you like mosquitoes and coal oil lanterns and a brush harbor, we can build one in your backyard. We can sell your house. Well, I mean, I wasn't talking about me. Well, you know, we don't want that either. We all kind of like it like this. And it takes a lot of money to do this. Did I lose some of y'all? That wasn't near as exuberant as it was before. It takes big money to evangelize Africa. It takes big money to evangelize the Philippines. It takes millions to to evangelize China. And God is looking for some people in this church that will say, God... If you bless me, 
I will. I will. If you'll open up the windows of heaven on me, I will open up the windows of my world into your kingdom. You know, I'm running out of time, so I don't have time to go into this. But let's look at Exodus right quick. Let's look at Exodus just real quick. Will y'all give me just a little bit more time? I understand. Listen, it takes just a little bit of time to preach this, so bear with me, please. Let's go to Exodus chapter 11 and verse 6 right quick. Exodus chapter 11 and verse 6. i got to talk to you about what it means for God to say, You are mine. You're mine. And there shall be a great cry throughout all the land of Egypt, such as there was none like it, nor shall be like it anymore. What he's saying here is the plagues fell on Egypt. And since I'm out of time, I'm just going to tell you that when the plagues fell on the Egyptians, it did not fall on Israel. Okay? And verse 7 is going to tell you why. Against any of the children of Israel shall not a dog move his tongue. Against man or beast, here's what you got to know. That you may know how that the Lord doth put a difference between Egyptians and Israel. You know what? Your obligation... Your obligation is not to hang on to things and say... In fact, God, God's... God's admonishment to you was take no thought for what you're going to eat and what you're going to wear and where you're going to sleep. If God knows how to clothe the lily, He can clothe you. If God... He said your only obligation is to make sure you're in line with Him. Just make sure you're in alignment with purpose. What is my purpose once I become a child of God? To take the thing. If you think this is just about money, you're missing the concept. This is not just about money. This, this is about your entire being. He, he said, he said in, and I don't have time to go into it. If we was teaching a three or four week session, I would. I don't have time to go into it. But the reason I read third Timothy, uh, I'm sorry, third John, the first and second verse, is because he says this is about finance, this is about soul, and this is about spirit. I want you to prosper in all three places, but the only way I can is for you to understand your finances belong to me, your soul belongs to me, your spirit belongs to me, and whatever I ask for, you got to be willing to yield it to me. God puts a difference. So the only obligation I've got is to make sure I'm in alignment with His purpose. Beyond that, He takes care of me. None of these diseases is going to be upon His people. Now, I've got a rant just a minute. I've got a rant just for a second. Boy, I'm feeling my, I got my help now. Woo, I feel it. Listen to me. If you think God needs a certain president so that you can be blessed, you've missed it. If you think God needs a certain political party, 
I'm telling you, God can bless you. It doesn't matter who's in the White House. God can bless you whether a Democrat's in control or a Republican's in control. He doesn't need a president. He doesn't need a congressman. He doesn't need a governor. In fact, the truth of the matter is, He'll bless you more when the government's against you than He will when they're for you. I'm going to say that again because I don't think you got it. He'll bless you more. He'll bless you more on a, under a communistic or socialistic government than he will when there's a Republican protecting the church. Because God's always for the underdog. If you want to get God on your side, just get somebody against you. If you want to get, if you want God to get off his throne and wrap his arms around you and say, You just get people fighting you. When you're a child of God, you just, you, you say, well, I, I, I don't know. I don't know if I know about that, brother. Well, just go to Psalms 105. Go to Psalms 105 and let's begin reading a little bit in verse 9. Be seated one more time. Psalms 105 and 9. I want you to look at this. He says, he says to them, the Egyptians were coming against you. The Egyptians were fighting you. But I made a covenant with Abraham and I made an oath to Isaac, your forefathers. Verse 10. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. Oh, and confirm the same unto Jacob for a law and to Israel for an everlasting. You know what everlasting means? It means it's going to last forever. Do you know, you know what everlasting means in Hebrew? It means everlasting. That's what it means. An everlasting covenant. Verse 11. Man, saying unto thee, I will give thee the land of Canaan, the lot of your inheritance. You know why I told them that? Because they was trying to take it from them. Next verse. When they were a few men in number, yea, very few, and strangers in it. This is where God starts getting emotional. He says, my poor babies, they couldn't defend themselves. They were coming against them, and it made me angry. Next verse, verse 13. When they went from nation, one nation to another and from one kingdom to another people. Verse 14. He suffered no man to do them wrong. Yea, he reproved kings for their sake. Verse 15. This is where we quote it. Saying, touch not mine anointed and do my prophet no harm. Your only obligation isn't your 401k. It isn't saving in a bank somewhere. It isn't investing even though all that's wise and you ought to do it unless God nudges you to give it. What I'm telling you is, is your only responsibility is to make sure you're his anointed. If you make sure you're his anointed, then nothing else really matters because God protects you. I, I, I don't know how long y'all go on Sunday morning. I don't know how long y'all go on Sunday morning. I started, a, I, I, I think I started about, uh, it's going to be about 20 minutes. It'll be an hour. Can y'all give me just a little bit more? Is this okay? I, I, listen, I don't want to take advantage of your time. 
So, so here's the deal. And, and I'm going to speed ahead, but Israel, Israel comes out of the Holocaust with nothing but the clothes on their back. But they're God's people. They come out of the Holocaust. They're diseased. They're underfed. The one that survived, the, the ones that survived the gas chambers, they have rickets. They have lice. They're, they got bellies from being fed rice and nothing else. So they're bloated bellies on skeletons. And they come out. And, and the United States of America, along with some other countries, but mainly the United States of America, says, come to us. We're going to take care of you. And so the Israelites come in. They flood in mainly in hamlets in New York City. They have nothing. The government gives them houses and gives them clothes and gives them a little pension until they can get on their feet. That was in 1945. By 1955, if you ate at a pizza joint, it was owned by an Israeli. If you got your clothes cleaned at a cleaner's, the greatest chance is it was a Jew that owned the cleaner's. By 1965, their, their Jewish names start showing up on bank boards. By 1975, they own controlling interest in the banks. And by 1985, they own 97% of the movie industry in Hollywood. And they have a chokehold on the bank industry, not nationwide, worldwide. And a, 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 a finance professor at, at Harvard University gets together with a finance professor at, at Yale and Oxford and says, what's going on with these people? What is it about them? We've been in America 200 years. We're still struggling to pay our mortgage. These people own the banks. They own, they've come in and took over the financial district. I'm going to tell you why. God said it means something when I say you belong to me. I don't, I don't have time to go into this, but, but in, in, you can look back. Anybody that, anybody that looks back behind 1967 and especially 1948 at pictures, a lot of our Sunday school material is old material. They published it in the 20s, 30s, and 40s. And when I was growing up and you saw a picture of Israel, it looked like a desert. You know why? Because that's what it looked like. The Old Testament said it would lay waste and the wolves would howl in the barren wasteland. That's what the Old Testament prophets say. I'm not going to take time to go there because I'm rushing. Okay? But listen. So as long as his people were gone, you couldn't grow anything there but sand. And the minute Jewish DNA, their feet hit that sand that desert started blooming again. And now they're the number one exporter of vegetables and fine flowers all over the Middle East and the world. That may not mean anything to you, but it's big to Israel. They went from being a people that knew 
they, they, a people without a country and without a land. They're the only people that's ever lost their land but didn't lose their language. The only ones. They're the only ones that's ever lost their land and were driven completely out and took it back. Am I boring you? The only ones. They went from being a nothing country to passing up all the third world countries. I won't take time to go into it, but just it, just 50 years old, they lead medical research and medical equipment. They lead computer. If you own a computer, the computer chips that drive your computer come from Israel. If you go in the hospital, the stuff that surrounds you, all the, all the uh, medical equipment comes from Israel. The components inside it come from Israel. I could go on and on, but they're, they're not Number one, and they went from nothing to leading the country in the first world countries in the world. Until they said, what is it about Israel? I'm going to tell you what it is. It's the favor of God. Now, here's where I'm getting where I, where, where, here, here's what I need to tell you about Israel. Israel is born into it. They have an everlasting covenant because of their bloodline and their DNA. You say, well, what does that have to do with me? Well, Romans, the 11th chapter, and the 17th through the 19th verse tells you what it has to do with you. This is what it has to do with you. Can we go to Romans chapter 11 and verse 17? This is what it has to do. Somebody said, well, I'm not Israeli. I I don't have the Jewish blood. How how, how am I going to be blessed? Romans 11 and 7 says, if some of the branches be broken off. Somebody said, that's Israel. And thou, a wild olive tree, say, that's me, were grafted in among them, and with them partakest of the root. Somebody say, that's salvation. And the fatness. Somebody say, that's the favor. That's the, oh God have mercy. I, I can literally lay claim to the same promises of blessing and favor because I've been grafted in. Somebody said, well, Brother Copeland, I I understand everything you're saying, but here's my problem with what you're saying. I've been doing all this and I hadn't seen any blessings. I'm going to tell you why. Because for the Jewish people, for the Jewish people, it's in their DNA, it's in their blood. But for those of us grafted in, it's activated by faith. If you don't believe it, it don't work. The minute you really believe it, Everything you touch starts to be blessed. All right. All right, now I'm going to land it and draw to a close. So God needs some people in this house. Men, women, young men, young ladies. To grab a hold of this and say, Brother Copeland, Pastor, I really believe what's being preached today. And I really believe that I have been living beneath my means as an apostolic. I didn't get it. I didn't understand it. But I do today. I understand that God needs to trust me. And the only way I can show Him that I can trust, that He can trust me is the minute I feel a nudge, I gotta respond to that nudge. If he tells me to write a hundred thousand dollar check, then I write a hundred thousand dollar check. And nothing else matters. Because if he can nudge me, he can supply it. If the Mississippi can flow into the ocean from a creek, 
then I can give out and he can keep supplying my means. It doesn't matter what the creek looks like that's been feeding my means. See? And we've proven it in Sebastopol, Mississippi. I got ready to build for a church that had always had church in a building about the size of a house. Brother Calhoun knows he preached there. You stick the key in the front door and knock the back window out. And when we went out of that and I told them we're going to build a 50,000 square foot auditorium that seats 1,000 people. They said, we're going to do what? There's 240 people in the town. Well, yeah, you know what? We're having triple of that in church right now. You see, it's the whole concept that it doesn't matter what creek is feeding it. God gives you the power to flow into the ocean and never miss it. The water level never even goes down. You see, till it's a miracle, your neighbors won't even notice. He can't lift you up and make an example out of you unless there's a miracle to get their attention. There's got to be something going on in your world that people say, only God. See, when you walk in your workplace and everybody else is worried about the economy and you say, I'm not worried about the economy, man. I just gave, I just gave $10,000, spread the gospel in Africa. You, you, you mean in this economy? Yeah. Man, I'm not bound to the economy. I operate on God's economy. There's no president or government controlling my economy. You got to get this. I was in Mexico a number of years ago. And I was in a bad part of Mexico. It was rough. I was in a bad part of Mexico. And we, we came around a, a bend. It was, just, it was just desolate. Everywhere was desolate. And all of a sudden, in all that desolation, there's this big, white, freshly painted building with big, huge columns. And the grass is so green and rich, I can't get over it. It was such a stark difference from its surroundings that it startled me. I said, what is this? And then I looked up and saw the American flag flapping in the breeze. And I realized it was the American embassy in Mexico. That particular piece of ground was not dependent on that country's economy. <laughs> it was operating on, it was in the Mexico, but it was not of Mexico. I'm in the United States, but higher than being an American, I'm a city of a, of a country not made with hands, whose builder and maker is God. I don't operate on the United States economy, I operate on God's economy. And brother, God, God, come help me. God needs men. Be seated one last time. God needs men to grab a hold of this and say, I got it. 
And it really doesn't matter what my job is right now. It really doesn't matter where I come from right now. My history does not matter. What matters is I got a revelation today that's going to change everything in my future. I really didn't realize what it meant to be a child of God. I really did not realize what was in my hands if God could bless them. I, I preached this in my town when we got ready to build our church. Thank you. You can be seated. And, and I could tell numerous stories I won't because I'm completely out of time. But let me just tell you, one man made his way to the front of the building. He was weeping. He was a, he's a big old man. About six three, six four, three hundred pounds. He made his way to the front of that building, and his jaw was shaking. I was thankful that he was crying because if he'd have had that look on his face, as big as he was coming to that pulpit, I mean, I'm a big man and tough and all that, but I wasn't ready to wrestle him. He came to the front of that building, and he pulled his billfold out of his pocket. He threw it on the platform. He said, I realized today that I've had the Holy Ghost, but my billfold hadn't had it. You missed that. He said, I've had the Holy Ghost, but my pocketbook had I've been saved, but my pocketbook hadn't. And today, I gotta pray my billfold through. It needs to be involved in this deal. And here's what he said. He said, Brother Copeland, I'm going to be one of those men. And I commit to you today. I don't know where it's coming from. He said, but that's up to God. I don't know how it's going to happen, but that's up to God. But I'm committing to you today that if you can dream it, I can pay for it. If God can give you the dream, He can give me, He can use me as the conduit to pay for that dream. Do you think, do you think for a minute God's gonna give this man a vision and then not pick men out and give them the finances to take care of that vision? That's how it works, see? That's how it works. That's how it works. He said, Brother Copeland, I don't know how it's going to happen because I'm driving a truck for Yellow Freight. Musicians come, I'm done. I drive a truck for Yellow Freight. And I don't know what he made, $15, $20 an hour back then. He said, I just drive a truck for Yellow Freight. That's what I am. I'm just an old truck driver. He said, that's all I am in my own hands, but in God's hands. In God's hands. If he can use me as a conduit, there's no telling what God can do. Listen to me. Listen to me. He said, all I know is the trucking industry. So that's what I'm going to do. And he bought one 18-wheeler. And then he bought two 18-wheelers. And he came to me and he said, Brother Copeland, my God, God's blessing this so much. What do you think about me buying some more? I said, get after it, man. I don't know where he's at right now because I hadn't asked him lately. But a few years ago, he had between 50 and 118 wheelers on the highway. Just a truck driver. High school education. 
our church note at one point was over $10,000 a month in a town of 240 people. A little church that started out with 28 or 30 voters. And he came to me and he said, Brother Copeland, for the next little while, I don't want you to worry about that church note. He said, I'm going to pay that $10,000 a month. I said, Brother, what's the, what's the secret? He said, the secret is getting over the fear of the nudge. He said, I've learned that when God nudges, you just do it. You just give it. It, it don't make rhyme or reason. It doesn't make sense, but it never... See, it's not a miracle if you can figure it out. It's not God if you can draw a road map. Man can do that. Man can figure it out on paper. It's not God until you say, you know what, it don't make sense. I can't figure it out. All I know is it's working and I don't want to do anything to mess it up. We're just talking about that one church. But you see, there's five daughter works out of Sebastopol now. We're supporting them. A few months ago, we was going to buy a building, about a $200,000 building in another town to put a pastor in to continue spreading the gospel. And I got up to talk about building that building or buying that building. And that man I'm talking about came to me and said, if we're going to put almost $200,000 in, in another building, Brother Copeland, we don't know, but 600000 or so on this building. If we're going to raise a, a third of it, why not just raise all of it and turn to pay this building off? That way we can build buy buildings wherever we want to. He said, what that building was going to cost, I'll give that amount today. Between $150,000, $200,000. I'll give, I think it ended up being $175,000 that he gave that day. I'm talking about a, what was a truck driver from Yellow Freight. And he said, whatever else comes in from the rest of the church. In one hour, in that local congregation, we raised between six and $700,000 and we're debt free in one service. Because there were men and women that came struggling out of that pew. They said, I see it. And I want to be, I want to be, I want to be one of those men. What? I wonder what it would look like today. I wonder what it would look like today if 10 men in this building came out of that pew and walked up to this pastor and said, Pastor, if you can dream it, I can pay for it. I'm not bragging, Pastor. I'm just telling you that I see the vision, that I am a part of the root and the fatness. And God can use me as a conduit to, to, to support His kingdom, to pay for His kingdom effort. Stand together, everybody in this building. Lift your hands, lift your hands, lift your hands. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Come on. Come on. My God. I wonder what would happen if ten women, maybe ten business women, I don't want to leave the women out, but maybe ten women, business women, would come to this pastor's wife and say pastor's wife if y'all can dream it we can pay for it God's not going to give you the dream and then not give me the vision 
Come on, come on, come on. Keep entertaining this anointing right now. We're done, but keep entertaining. God's doing something great in this house. Come on, I want you to mean it with all your heart. Come on, come on. Somebody grab the hold of the vision. Hey, come on, those mondi di Reanda sete del mondo cololo ho. Hey, 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 anda sana mondo lolo borriada hayada mondo ho. may be standing out there today saying brother Copeland I'm not a part of this church and I don't even have the Holy Ghost well number one you don't have to leave this service in that condition God can fill you full of the Holy Ghost and make you a part of this before you walk out those back doors it wouldn't take him but about five minutes if you'd repent he'd fill you with the Holy Ghost you can leave here a part of this deal I've never preached this in a place that I felt so much faith. Never yet. I've never preached this at a place that I felt so much potential as I do right here. I wouldn't say that if I didn't mean it. There are men and women standing before me right now that God wants to make multi-millionaires. But he, somebody said, why hadn't he already done it? Because you, you didn't have the concept. He's not going to do it to make you rich. He's going to do it so his gospel will be spread in Texarkana and around the world. He wants to empower this man's vision. See, this man has a vision of not just this city. But spreading the gospel everywhere. All he needs is some conduit. To say, Pastor, you, you, you got a dream of that? See, God never asks you to give. When, when God asks you to give, He's making room for more because it always increases. See, any of you that's lived in your house for any length of time, if you've lived there for any length of time, you've took out the old furniture and about three or four times you've upgraded that's the way God does. If He asks you to give, if He asks you to give $100,000, He's making room for a million. Yeah, I, I'm not just talking stuff. I'm talking about stuff I've witnessed. I don't even have time to talk about the guy putting bread on the, on the shelves in convenience stores. And a year later, he owned the largest hospice in the state of Mississippi and was given hundreds of thousands of dollars to the church for us to build. See, God can, God can pick you up and turn your world around before this year's out. Before this year's out. I know I'm taking a little time, but please, please, please bear with me. This is my only shot at this. Somebody said, well, what do we do now? Now, we see if you can obey the nudge. I'm about to pray, and this is going to be two-part. Two things you need to do. Number one, you need to plant a seed today. You need to plant a seed today. You need to say, God, I'm planting a seed that you're going to grow in my world. 
I don't care if your pockets are empty and you've got to go to your car and try to find quarters in the console. That's all you can do. You need to put something on this altar today. You need to do it cheerfully. The Bible says God loves a cheerful giver. When you give toward this new building, and listen, none of this is going to me. I'm not, I'm not here to get an offering from you. When I preach this, most of the time I refuse the offering. I go home empty-handed because I want that church to know this has nothing to do with me. I don't need an offering from this church for God to bless me, see. God's blessing me for doing this right here. I'm going to tell you 1.8 million can come in today. You can move in that building debt for I fully believe that. Somebody said don't set it too high. You don't understand what I've seen God do. Is anything too hard for God? That scripture, whether you know it or not, I gotta ask it again. Is anything too hard for, is it too hard for God for 1.8 million to come in today? You say through us? Yeah. Yeah. Through us. A donkey brought the Messiah into Jerusalem. See, the whole secret is if you can obey the nudge. If you can't obey the nudge, you can't be a part of this. And I'm going to pray and God's going to put an amount in your mind. It don't matter what it is. You need to run up here. Grab your spouse by the hand. If they're here and joyfully, joyfully bring that amount. Throw it on this altar. Saying, God, this is a seed. Hang on, don't do it yet. This is a seed. Now all this is going to go toward that building. But this is a seed on what you're going to do for me in the future. Because once we get over there, there's all kind of stuff we got to do. Oh my God. Jesus, have mercy if I've ever felt the anointing. And then the second part is, what are you going to do monthly after that? What are you, what are you going to do to perpetuate I remember, I said it's easy to get blessed. It's hard to keep it. So it's two part. Everybody here needs to do two things today. You need to leave a substantial offering, whatever you can get your hands on on this altar, to go toward your building. And then the second thing you need to do is you need to commit yourself and say, God, as you bless me, I'm only going to increase it. I'm only going to increase it. I'm done with this. When I preach this in Sebastopol, I had families in my church that after they gave decided that they was going to do 10 and 10. They were going, and, I, and that's happened for years in my church. The lion's share of our church gives 10% tithes and 10% offerings. And listen, this is amazing. Many of them give, give 30%. Many. Because they see how they're blessed. See? When I went there, they came, they pulled up in the, on the parking lot in Geo Metros and cars. I was worried they're going to get home. I'm not just telling you this, but today there's more Mercedes and BMWs on our parking lot than anything else. With people giving. You see, that, that don't make sense. To, well, if they're giving all that to the church, they're broke. No. If they're giving all that to church, they don't, they're blessed. I've got business owners that they say the biggest problem I've got is the government will only let me give so much to the church and I want to give so much more, but they'll, they limit me. 
So they're running it. They have to run it out of their business and through their name because you can give more through your name than you can through their, your business. That's a big problem when you're trying to figure out how to give more to your church and can't. Why would people do that? Because they understand how blessed they are. They, they realize every time, every time they create a void, God fills the void plus way much more. Press down, shake it. But you gotta obey that nudge. You gotta obey that nudge. Let's lift our hands together right now. Jesus. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Don't cheat yourself today. Maybe there's men that need to get with their spouse. Decide what they're going to do as a family. I just, I just preached this at a, at a church. I won't mention where. But $500,000, over $500,000 came in in one service in a crowd about this size. I preached this places in 200, 250,000 come in. Because somebody said, I, I really believe this and I want to prove God. Try Him. That's what the Bible says. Try Him and see if He won't open the windows of heaven. Well, there's an anointing here. I'm done. I'm done. I'm waiting on you now. I'm waiting on you now. I'm waiting on you now. Listen to that voice of God. Listen to what that voice of God says. Listen to what that voice of God tells you. I'm not asking everybody to do this. But to just, just to give it started, I wonder if there's a man or a woman that would lift their hands and say, I'd like to give this amount today. Anybody? Anybody willing to start this? Everybody don't have to do it. But go ahead, brother. $700 right here. Somebody said, why would you do that to encourage others? Encourage somebody else. Anybody else? Yes, sir. 500. 300. Yes. $1,000. Yes, sir. $1,000. My God, have mercy. Yes, ma'am. $2,000. Now, I'm just going to tell you, God's going to open the windows of heaven. He's going to do it for everyone. But I'm just telling you, that that's... what. You see, when you start giving to where you say, man, once I give this, if God don't kick in, that's where the miracle starts happening, see. You got to put God to the test. Somebody else. Somebody else. Anybody else? Yes. 10,000 right here. 500. 500. Somebody said, I don't want to say my amount because it's, it's small. God, God won't. Hey, listen to me. He said the widow because, because what she, he's not near as interested in what you give as what you got left when you get. She gave all. Yes, sir. 500. 2,000. 500. 10,000. 1,000. 2,000. 1,000. Did you see somebody else over here have the hand raised? 2,000. Jesus, have mercy. My God, do you, do you feel what I feel right now? I feel that spirit of sacrificial giving starting to take over. Come on. 
Come on, just a little bit longer. I, I, I understand it's almost noon. I'm going to let you go. Anybody else? Don't miss your blessing. Does anybody else want to encourage your brothers and sisters by giving? I don't want to cut it off. Make sure we got a record of it. So if you made a pledge today, write it down on this pledge card. And then what you're going to do is to sustain your blessing, write it on the pledge card. Sister, do you have your hands up? Hand up. Ten, ten thousand dollars. That's another ten thousand. Yes, sir. Ten thousand dollars. Come on, God's doing it. A hundred. God's. A hundred thousand dollars. I want you to look at this. You see where we're going? <laughs> now here's what needs to happen right now. To everyone that's gave, whether it's big or small, I'm going to tell you what somebody else needs to do. You need to walk over there and put your hand on them and say, now God open the windows of heaven on them. Come on. Come on. If you gave, you find somebody say, hey, anoint me. I gave, now anoint me. God opened the windows of heaven on them. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. My God. You know what? The Holy Ghost just spoke to me and said someone else wants to give. I'm telling you, the Holy Ghost just spoke to me. Get my attention. If you're the one God told, well, there's two or three here. Tell us, sister. Tell us, sister. Uh huh. Okay. All right. She's waiting on her husband, but she wants to give. Sister, are you raising your hand? $1,000. God bless her. Somebody put your hand on her and say, God, open the windows of heaven. Confirm your word. Are you, sister, are you lifting your hand to give? Okay. Yes, ma'am. $1,000. Somebody else. Somebody else. Don't miss your blessing. We got hands raised. Yes, sir. $1,000. Somebody else. Yes, ma'am. $500. $2,000. I wish I knew where we were, man. This is adding up. Has anybody been keeping up with it? Anybody here happen to be keeping up with this? Yes, ma'am. $500. God bless you, sister. God bless you. I I don't know what just happened right there. But God's going to answer a prayer for you. Because you obeyed His nudge. Would you, would you join up with her and worship with her? Something special just happened right there. You know, you can't buy the miracles of God. They're not for sale. But sometimes when we give sacrificially, it unstops the flow. My God, have mercy. It unstops the flow.